Hey friends, this is John Gunter at the Eagle Community Church of Christ. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. This week we continue our study of Revelation with chapters 12 and 13. Thank you so much for taking this journey with us. I know Revelation can be weird, kind of wacky. I mean, this week we talk about a woman and a child who's chased by a dragon and beast and all of those things. And so it's very interesting, but hopefully we can bring a little bit of clarity to what's going on here and what John is actually seeing. So again, thank you for listening and have a great week. My two are at home with all the stuffiness and everything, so they're not here to go to class. And they may be watching online, so hello, kids. Be good for mom. Uh, Maybe I'll get bonus points for that one. I don't know. Uh, Again, we're glad that you're here. Uh, We continue our our study of Revelation. And again, I want to thank you for hanging with us uh, throughout this study. I didn't really know where this would, how this would be received. Revelation being what it was, you know, even though I had somebody request that we go through it, wasn't sure how we would see that as a church. And I've had so many people come up and thank me just for going through it. And so uh, I appreciate your encouragement and appreciate as we have gone through uh, each and every week. So uh, we're doing chapters 12 and 13 today. We're going to do it just like we have been. So we'll read through both chapters today and then we'll, uh, we'll have some thoughts from there. So Revelation chapter 12. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all nations with an iron scepter, and her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1260 days. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God, and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness where she would be taken care of for a time, times, and half a time out of the serpent's reach. 
Then from his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with the torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. The dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on its horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was filled with wonder and followed the beast. The people worshiped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they also worshiped the beast and asked, who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise its authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. It was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And it was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Whoever has ears, let them hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity they will go. If anyone is to be killed with a sword, with the sword they will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. And it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from the heaven to the earth in full view of the people. Because of the signs, it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast. It deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. That number is 666. Thus, we get nervous every time Paul leads a song, 666, right? What an interesting couple of chapters again, right? Again, I'm, I'm sure none of you have this as, your children's bedtime story or anything like that. But it, it kind of captures the imagination. I hope that my reading is not too flat to where, you know, I hope to bring a little bit of life to it. Uh, but I think that's the purpose here is John is given this vision by God is really to bring these things to life, that they should be bigger than life. They should kind of, you know, bring about images. We live in a time that we're really blessed uh, with the way cinemas are now 
the way CGI can create things out of nothing, right? Uh, I mean, I think not too long ago, everybody remember Ghostbusters 1? You know, the CGI on the ghost and stuff like that was just horrible. You know, in the time, it was good, I guess. But but now it's like, my goodness, what is that? And now we create entire worlds with this. And so uh, Dr. Coaster, who uh, I pointed out his book several times, he says, yeah, I would encourage people to think, you know, like you're looking at this in a cinema. You've got this massive dragon that is, you know, big enough to where when his tail sweeps, a third of the stars go flying. And so let yourself be kind of, uh, let this kind of wash over you. Read back through it and read it again. And kind of let that grab your uh, attention and imagination. But again, what we see here is really a classic tale of good versus evil. Now, I've been uh, teaching through on Wednesday nights, and, and for me, when I think good versus evil, I think Lord of the Rings. But on Wednesday night, I found out that I need less Lord of the Rings remarks and more The Office remarks. Uh, so uh, I, I don't understand either, Ethan. Thank you. Um, but, I mean, how many of you have seen good versus evil movies, books? Everything is good versus evil, right? And so that's what we see here and, and kind of are transported into. Big scene, a big battle. And that's what's going on. But for us, like many places in the Bible, we have to know kind of what's behind it and how the original hearers would have heard it. And this is where it gets interesting. Dr. Koster says this, that they would have been, uh, of course, familiar with a lot of the things that happened here. One of the stories here, it says one such story in their time, a good versus evil thing, uh, a story that circulated in John's time, the antagonist was a fierce dragon named Python and the protagonist was a woman named Leto, who was the mother of the god Apollo. When Leto became pregnant by the god Zeus, the dragon pursued her in order to kill her and her child. Sound familiar? Okay, so they're hearing this, all right? This is, this is common in their day. They're hearing this as John is uh, writing this vision down. The north wind rescued Leto by carrying her away so that she eventually found refuge on the island of Delos, which lay in the Aegean Sea. There, the woman gave birth to Apollo and Artemis. Four days later, Apollo, the four-day-old, set off in pursuit of the dragon, soon slaying the creature to avenge his mother. Sometimes I wonder if Logan doesn't have that same kind of power. But yeah, the four-day-old Apollo goes and slays the dragon to revenge his mother, to avenge his mother. Now, isn't that interesting? that we read this, we read this 12 and 13 in Revelation, and we go, that's weird, and move on, kind of. And when they heard this, they thought, I know that story. I know kind of what that's about. And so that's where they're going. But the deal is, is that these stories are different. So in this time, the story that they knew, this story about Apollo and, uh, and everything, they saw this, and Roman emperors used this to say, I am Apollo. I am the one who has the power to go ahead and slay the dragon, to bring about peace and prosperity in this region. And remember, the big thing with the Romans was Pax Romana, Roman peace. Again, this was not peace as we normally think about it. This is, if you act up, I'm going to crush your head and we'll have peace again. Okay, that's what Roman peace was. And so they walked around as the person with this kind of authority. I am Apollo, and some 
Some of them thought of themselves as gods, okay? And so the, the Roman people would see them as well. So you exalt this Roman emperor. They see themselves already in that high and lifted up position. And so you have this, this power dynamic. But the story we get in Revelation 12 and 13 is not that, is it? You didn't see any exaltation of uh, any kind of Roman emperor or anything like that. What you saw was, was kind of this woman, which really symbolizes the church. And she gives birth to a son, which is who? Jesus, yeah. And he is, though the dragon desires to devour him, he's immediately taken up and he is put into heaven. And the woman is, again, the church, but is protected from the dragon. And so there are a lot of things going on here, of course, in Revelation, you know that. But do you remember last week as we talked about all the numbers in there? Did you catch the numbers today? Interesting stuff, right? So we're going to talk about that for just a second. So the woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. All right, remember we talked about a couple of different numbers last week. You remember the two numbers? What's perfect and complete? Okay, and what is a limited time, kind of a partial time? Three and a half. 1,260 days can be divided by seven, which is 180, or if you actually do the math, that's about three and a half years. Okay, we're not trained to look for this stuff, but God is telling you for a limited time, these things are gonna happen. She might be taken care of for a limited time, okay? Uh, also, uh, the woman was given two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness where she would be taken care of for a time, times, and half a time. Three and a half again, right? Okay, and there was another one in there as well that I didn't write down. Was it verse 10? I, I read it first service. I thought, I missed that one. But there's still this idea of perfect being seven, okay? So this is not something that goes on for eternity. That though this, this scene is kind of big and dramatic and full of dragons and horns and all these things, it is for a limited time that we see these things. Um, there in Revelation 13, I, I want to point this out. Do you remember when we talked about the churches? When we talked about how Jesus got on several of the churches because what they had done is really assimilated into the culture. They had decided, you know, as we talk about, we should be salt and light. We should be different, right? The church has to be different from everything else, or what does it mean to be the church, right? Again, the Bible talks about if salt loses its saltiness, if salt loses its flavor, who's adding salt to their food, right? It's not worth anything. Just, just throw it out. It's not worth anything. And so uh, Jesus really gets on the churches there about how they kind of assimilate into culture and just accept the things that are going on. And again, you have emperor worship. You have people worshiping idols. And remember the people who we talked about, who they had a trade. Maybe they worked with their hands making fabric or something like that. And it wasn't just as simple as do you decide to uh, worship one of these gods or do you not? But to live and to have an income you had to be a part of these kind of groups or unions, maybe the way we need to think about it. And for each group or union, they had, again, a resident kind of deity that was over that. So we pray to the God of fabrics, 
okay? And we're gonna have this feast in honor of the God who's allowed us to make the money, okay? And, and so Jesus was on them about that, and it wasn't that simple. It was, a, it was a decision that, do I feed my family and join up with these things and kind of associate myself with his deity? Or do I take a stand and risk not being able to put food on the table? And so here in, in chapter 13, it talks about this beast and the dragon. It says, it also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark. You get that now. They could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. Isn't that interesting? That the vision that John receives from God is, again, showing the people to, I'm accepting all of this. And so all of the calamity we just read about, and to me, it doesn't, you know, at first reading, it doesn't bring a lot of peace or hope on my part. But you see all this, these scary things with the massive dragon and all that. And what we read about was, again, not that it scared people to God, but they saw the dragon, they saw the beast, and they saw the power of these things right in front of them, very tangible things, and they thought, man, I want to get behind that. Because whatever power is doing that, remember, who can, who can stand against this beast right in front of me? And so, so many times the power in front of us is the most tempting and the best looking, Right? The thing I can grab a hold of, the thing that's standing right in front of me has the biggest draw, and I want to be a part of that. And God is, is telling John here through these visions that you've got to watch out for all of this, that, that though this power is in front of you, you're, you're missing the whole point because the battle belongs to who? We just read about it. We just sang about it, didn't we? The battle belongs to God, and we can get swept up in all of the negative or all the power, all the allure of the powerful thing in front of us, but that leads to death and destruction. We forget about that part. And so we should desire God in this moment because, again, God has the power. You notice there's even this heavenly battle that Satan thinks, you know what? I have been a part. Go back and read Job because Satan, the, the adversary, is the one asking God in Job, well, what about Job? I mean, you've blessed him. That's why he's faithful, right? And so, and so now you have you, what you heard read there is the accuser, the one that's always just stirring up stuff or saying, saying all these things. Now Satan decides, you know what? I can take the battle to them. And what happened? Michael says, uh-uh. Michael in, in Scripture is known as like the prince of angels. We got a Michael in here, don't we? Um, but my, Michael says no. He didn't even fight the the big guy, right? He didn't even fight God. He fights the angels. It doesn't doesn't matter. And so he doesn't have the ultimate power, even though the power in front of the people. You notice that he says he did signs, even had fire come down from heaven in front of people. I want to prove to you that I have power. How many of you feel like? There are spiritual forces fighting against you right now or fighting against church. Felt a shift in that? Um, obviously, in their time, they were fighting against a lot of things. You go read about uh, Emperor Nero. He was a bad dude. 
some people have tried to use that 666 thing and, and play with numerology and names and try to figure all that out. I'm not going to do that today. If you, if you want to waste some time this week, you go ahead. Uh, but, but anyway, you, mean, you can be drawn to all that because you see it and you recognize there is a power. You feel that power. But if you stand against that power, that's a different thing because now you're in a battle. Notice that, that God is not saying everything's going to be okay in seven days, right? Everything's going to be fine. You're going to be fine for all of time. He says it's going to take patience. It's going to take perseverance to get through this. Now, God wins, but notice he even talks about people who did not love their life so much as to even fear death. And so, man, could we be those kind of people? We have so much anxiety and worry about death or what's going to go on next in life. I mean, you talk about real freedom. If I live life like, listen, even if I am killed for my faith, I'll be okay because God has got this. The battle belongs to the Lord. I told, um, I told him in first service, and I'm still preaching so far. Uh, I said, you know, especially when I was growing up as a teenager in the 90s, I know for some of you that's, that's ancient, ancient of days here. But as I grew up in the 90s, one of my favorite bands was Metallica. Anybody else want to? Okay, yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> We can, all, we can all get together after this. That'd be good. We got some people in first service, too. Just got to say. But they, they sang a song, uh, No Leaf Clover. And uh, uh, part of the verse was uh, the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, sometimes you're running towards, oh, I'm finally out of this. And Metallica sings that the light at the end of the tunnel is just a freight train coming your way. Now, I, I like that because that's the way I feel sometimes, Right? Like, I'm finally escaping the beast and the dragon and all the things I'm having to go through. I mean, we even have sayings for it. Thing, bad things come in what? How many? Three. Of course. Because I'm finally getting past that thing, and I'm running towards the light, and Metallica says, hold up just a minute. <laughs> Turn your ears on, see, see if that's a free trade. Because that's the way it feels at times. And again, we can get so bogged down and so fixated on the negative, on the feeling that I can't believe that Christianity is not more popular. I can't believe that when I talk about my Christian faith, somebody over here is offended or they're angry or they want to talk bad about me. And we can stay there and kind of wallow around in that, and that's not healthy, I don't think. But we can see the big picture that, again, there is this battle, and it belongs to God. We get to decide to pick <laughs> which side we're on. And again, be smart about it. Don't be stupid, right? Because God is, is, is all powerful. That though God may not be raining fire down from heaven right now in your life to, for you to say, oh my goodness, maybe you need to stop and think about all the blessings, all the ways that he has brought you through different things. But yeah, standing on the other side of those difficult things you've gone through, yeah, now I can see. I didn't see it in the moment. But I've got the clarity now to know, God, you were there with me all along. And now we can thank him for those things. This is a difficult teaching because, again, God does not promise health and wealth. God says there's going to be a lot of things going on. Did you notice how, frankly, you know, if you're going to be killed by the sword, you're going to be killed by the sword. Very frank, right? And we think, we think oh, my goodness, I don't want to. God's got you. If you want to live a free life today, 
We'll try to try to change our, our outlook on that. That I, I don't even fear death. That yeah, some days may be very terrible. There may be days that, that you're scared that something's going wrong. Someone has got a health issue. Maybe it's you. Maybe you're struggling in different ways. Maybe you're right now. You're kind of more drawn to the out there and the the power that feels like it's it's better and really more alluring out there, and you've forgotten that God is all-powerful. At the end of the day, that God is where it's at, that he leads. And so if that's you this morning, we want to encourage you. We're going to offer a song of invitation. We just want to pray with you. I talk week in and week out about having that relationship right with God. God told you through John's vision this morning, that if you claim him, Satan's going to come after you. If you don't claim him, you're already done. You're not written in the Lamb's book of life. If you claim him, how many of you have lived long enough to know, as soon as I make my life right with God, that's when something's going to happen, right? Like today, God, I'm going to stand with you. Something's going to stand, that, that temptation, that thing, uh, something is going to happen today. It's kind of like Murphy's Law, right? Something that can go wrong will. And the question is, are we going to stand in strength and in, in faith in God to walk through that thing? Or are we going to cower and kind of go back to, you know what, I don't think I need all this. I prefer the power. I prefer this other thing. All the things that can kind of uh, knock God to the lower parts of our priority list. This morning... If that is you, if your relationship is not right with God, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to encourage you in any way that you can walk the Christian walk, not alone, but with other brothers and sisters who also have struggles. This is a process. We talked in Bible class today. This is a process, and nobody's perfect except me. No, nobody's perfect. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've told you all over and over. I've shared uh, many stories about me, and uh, this is something I've got to know. I don't, I don't want to walk this walk alone, do you? All right, we're going to offer a song of invitation right now. Would you come as we stand and sing?